can't remember what show it was on, but there was the couple that just like kept giving themselves coffee enemas. I, I think so. And they made themselves really ill. TV show, coffee enema. I should have put this in an incognito window. My addiction. Yes, my strange addiction. Yeah, coffee enemas. Oh, if you watch the preview, she just takes like a. Th- uh, fuck that. <laughs> 36-year-old Trina and her 43-year-old husband Mike have done nearly 7,000 coffee enemas over the last two and a half years. What? Two and a half years is less than a thousand. So they're doing over two, and they're averaging more than two coffee enemas a day. Well, I mean, you you never just have one cup of coffee. (laughs) True. (laughs) You guys are making a podcast. This. So welcome to the podcast nobody asked for with me, Ian Harris, and me, Graham Jones, from a different camera angle today. From a different camera angle today, yeah. The the Peter Pan's not quite so uh, relevant. Relevant? No. Observable. Seeable. Uh, we're recording this early. Prominent, <laughs> I think, is the word that you were looking prominent. for. Prominent. Prominent is a lot better word than observable. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So this is what we haven't done this. I think in a while. This is a. This is what we used to refer to as a coffee recording. Yes. Of recording it. It is. When I'm assuming Graham has been up for a few hours and I haven't been. <laughs> um, because, like, because Graham as a child, not because... I'm not saying this is, like, midday. <laughs> this is still this is still what people would refer to as early, especially on a Sunday. On the Lord's Day. On the Lord's Day. So, this... Is the podcast where we argue about our top three lists of a topic that nobody asked us to talk about. And this week, we are revisiting our third ever episode and figuring out our top three movies we want to see with a different director. Because it is the podcast's third birthday as of October 1st. Mm. And that is fucking insane. Yeah, it is a bit mad, isn't it? What did we do the first time around? Because we did, we've done films for the soundtrack is better revisited. So the first first birthday we did, it was a, a bumper birthday beery breakfast bonanza because we also apparently did that as an early morning one. Uh, films we haven't chosen yet. Ah, we went, okay. We went through films yes. that uh, we're surprised. That we didn't yeah, which included uh, 2001 A Space Odyssey, Drive, Tokyo Gore Police, Galaxy Quest, the Barkley Marathons, the race that eats its young, and then uh, infamously Master and Commander, the far side of the world. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Let's hope you know, but that's not. It's not going to be that bad today, people. It was so. That is the first, <laughs> first and only time we've had someone walk out of the podcast because Graham quite literally left the room while I was talking about <laughs> Napoleonic era ships. Yeah, and I came back and. Um, didn't feel like I'd missed anything. Was so great. that was still going. It's great. <laughs> you see, Graham, frigates were easier to know. Um, yeah. So we're not. Well, so last year we revisited the first episode. This year we should really be revisiting the second. Sep- God, second episode. But we had this discussion because the second episode was movies you you love but you'll never watch again. And my point here, which I think I brought you around to, is that. 
it would be the same pick that it would be the same picks um and therefore it would be a bit of a or at least for me it would be the same picks there were there were a couple which might have broken into my top three but also might not have because i think some of these episodes graham we fucking nailed the first time round. some i would say a handful <laughs> <laughs> but a fistful a fistful so yeah three three years so if the podcast so skips one if the podcast were a child uh it could run and jump easily at three mm. uh, it could walk upstairs unassisted could ride a tricycle it could stack up to 10 blocks could stand on its tiptoes and be left alone in an apartment in portugal while we went out for dinner oh <laughs> oh <laughs> 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 that's one we might cut out but I stand by that as a funny fucking joke it, it, it was <laughs> because initially I thought you were going down the um, you were going down the Home Alone route and I was like he surely was older than three and then no it was the old the old McCann switcheroo the old, there yeah. was also did you see this um, in the news Earlier this year, where was it? There was a kid that was like three years old that joined Mensa, Teddy Hobbs of... Uh... Teddy Hobbs sounds like a Toast of London name. <laughs> it does. It's Theodore Teddy Hobbs. Theodore Hobbs. <laughs> he taught himself to read aged two years and four months and at three years old can count in seven languages and became Britain's youngest member of Mensa. Right. For want of a better word, I don't want to shit on a three-year-old. But you probably should. <laughs> yeah. Um, what? <laughs> as if it matters. What can he count up to? Because <laughs> if he can just count up to three in seven languages, I'm not impressed. Um, what number would he have to yeah. count up to for it to be impressive? Not that. Not, also, I mean, I can't. I could. I could count in one language. Um, well, I one and at a push, two others. I might be able to remember some German and some French. Yeah, and also I, Spanish. You could Spanish isn't too hard either. Well, it depends. You know, dos, tres, cuatro, cinco. What well, uh, something uh, says. Yeah, but, I but just, it, that's just because the, the offspring. I was going to say the offspring yeah. always throw me off because they do cinco, cinco says, yeah. don't they? And that's not how it goes. Tres, cuatro, cinco, cinco so. Um, the child prodigy from Portishead, Somerset, can count to a hundred in six non-native languages, including Mandarin, Welsh, French, Spanish, and German. All right, that is quite impressive. That's very impressive, actually. Fair play, <laughs> fair play, three-year-old. <laughs> I'm not. I'd have to check in with uh, the parents. I'm not sure I could count to a hundred at three. Is counting to hundred? I thought you were going to say I'm not sure I could count to a hundred. Stop it there. Just in general, I struggle. I start to struggle around the the forties, fifties, but that might just be an attention span thing. Well, it's understandable. It happens. It happens. So, some uh, traditional podcast nobody asked for birthday facts for you. Mm. So, in three years, this is our a hundredth and fifth regular episode. So enough that that three-year-old couldn't count to it in six non-native languages. Um, <laughs> or our 133rd total episode, but that includes trailers, specials, 
and uh, undrafted episodes. How many would it be if we include all of the ones we've guested on? More. <laughs> so <laughs> you gave me that. You gave me the look of I don't have that number, Greg. Yeah. That's all. Damn it! I've ruined it. So uh, <laughs> we, we could we could figure this out. So one hundred thirty third. We have done yeah Cage Rage, where we covered yeah. Rage on Cage Rage. Yeah. I have done Teen Titans Go to the Movies for Cage Rage. Yeah. Isle of Dogs for Cage Do Team. Yep. Dogs are great. Uh, a Con Air panel where I just complained that uh, Cameron Poe never would have gone to prison. Um, yeah. Have we done a joint Cage Din? I... I feel like I've done something with Petros, which is a weird thing to say. Um, <laughs> but yeah. I can't remember what. Okay, we've done Good Bad Movies with Harley on The Fundamentals, which is an incredible podcast everybody needs to check out. Yeah. I did Pulp Fiction for Church yeah, of Tarantino. From Dust Bastards. Till Dawn uh, for Tarantino. Uh, the one we just recorded that hasn't come out yet, so we won't count that. Uh, you did the Inglorious Bastard sound uh, yeah. track. Fuck, we've been on there a lot. Uh, his birthday episode. Yeah. So that's 10. We'll go 143. I feel like I'm missing something, though. Uh, we'll go 144 with confidence we've forgotten one. Fair. I'm, Fair. I'm okay with that. So definitely 144 total episodes of us talking across both of this podcast and other podcasts. <laughs> guys, future Ian here. Firstly, uh, Wales just fucked Australia in uh, the Rugby World Cup and it was glorious and yeah, and I'm still a bit excited about it so I just had to kind of mention it but I won't drag this into a rugby bit because I'm here for a very important message. It is 146 because Graham and I also featured on the Incredible Flicks Watcher podcast where we talked about Midsummer and his house. <laughs> We have had downloads, at least on our 133, from 79 countries. That include Ghana, Honduras, and Sweden. Uh, and in Sweden, we were in the film review charts for the better part of four months. Which is great. We're also currently, as of today, we are in the Australian TV and film charts. And 35 in their film review charts. Something, something. We beat Australia in the Rugby World Cup today. We are, we are big down under. We're big down under, <laughs> and we're popular in Australia. Hey! <laughs> but for being in the, so for the for the Sweden thing of being there for four months, I, I guess we're kind of the podcast equivalent of Mr. Brightside, right? Because you know, Mr. Brightside is the longest charting song in history in the UK. It's been in the charts yes. for three hundred and fifty consecutive weeks. Fucking hell! <laughs> That's that's intense. It's um yeah. Is it just cuz every club in the country that does like indie rock music ends on Mr. Brightside and that just counts as a download? It must do. There must be something there. And uh, yeah, cuz otherwise how did it end up like this? <laughs> nice. Bit of killers. Thanks, man. Killers humor. Yeah. Um, uh, well, well, it was either that or the Moors murderers, <laughs> am I right? Oh, <laughs> uh, that's my uh, fantasy name this year. It is, yeah. That's. Yeah. I think that's probably why it was the first murder duo that came to mind. Yeah. Uh, all, all these things we've done. 
was a vague killer's reference. A vague killer's reference, yeah. yeah. I would have done better when we were young. <laughs> we are also uh, a Montana, Idaho, Mississippi, Maine, and Vermont away from a download in every US state. Oh. So I was going to say, if you're listening, if you're listening in a state adjacent to one of those, hop over the border, download an episode, and then go home. What, um, so what were they? Uh, Montana. Montana. uh... Okay, right. So I'm just going to prove out my theory here. Montana, 2021, 67% Republican. <laughs> okay. Idaho. Uh, yeah, Idaho. The third most Republican state in the nation. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Maine. <laughs> oh, sorry. Uh, Mississippi, which I don't feel like we have to check. No, Mississippi is 100% uh, going to be. Uh, uh, Maine. Republicans held every statewide office in the state uh, in Mississippi. Maine. Oh, Maine could be an interesting one. Uh, no, Republican. Oh, wait. 2022. Midterms was Democrat. It's a bit of a swing state here, but um, which which way is it swinging? That's that's the big question. Yeah, these are. Let's have a quick look. Let's just this one is a little bit more. It's at the moment. It's a Democratic lean. Um, so, okay, is that all of them? Uh, and then Vermont. Vermont is also Democrat. So, but. Majority of the states that don't listen to us are Republican, which um, was my theory. And and you know what, I'll I'm okay with that. It, 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 it's you know we're wearing our our allegiances on our sleeve with that one. Yeah, I think so. It's just some something something about us that Republicans don't like. Which is also and Scientologists. Which is also ironic, given we are both anti-monarchy. This is true. That's that's a word. That's a word that needs to be reclaimed, I feel. Yeah. <laughs> because I am staunchly a Republican, and that now yeah. has connotations. Yeah. It also sounded like you said anti-monarchy. Um... Anti-monarchy is <laughs> like a public service announcement that follows like a black and white turtle that teaches kids about how important the Queen is, because they never <laughs> updated the cartoons. Yeah, full on. Put on indoctrination. Just remember to bow and curtsy. <laughs> I don't know why that actually. That's exactly what that tort uh, turtle. That uh, turtle. Turtle is uh, either a Pokemon or a bad guy from a Final Fantasy game, and that's not war- me. That's not me war- doing turtle. a bit. Turtle is a hundred percent something. War turtle. War turtle. Yeah, yeah. War turtle is in Pokemon. It's the second evolution of Squirtle. Talking to me like I don't know that. Uh, Tortles <laughs> are a race from Dungeons and Dragons. Ah, they are turtle people. And to get to their um, to get to their land, you have to go through the Tortle portal. The Tortle portal. Yeah. Sorry, I'm just going through other rhymes, but I think we're stuck at Tortle <laughs> portal. Yeah, tortle you've portal. been. Yeah, you've been Tortle out by the Tortle portal. Oh. That's it. You're basically Lin Manuel. <laughs> so, as we said, as this is a birthday episode, and as it as is now tradition, because we have done this twice, we will be using our birthday episodes to revisit old episodes. So, like we said, this was episode three. This was uh, released on the fifteenth of October, back when we still had the time to do this weekly. Mm. Do you remember what our choices were? 
Um, yes, because I have the spreadsheet in front of me. Nice. So we are, we are, we are. I, I think the idea is we we're bringing each of us are bringing three new choices, and then yep. for the final top three, we can revert back to some of the previous picks if we decide that's what we want to do. But I am very happy with my new choices. I will not lie. Yeah. So same. Our choices. Do you want to do you want to run through the choices from last time? Yeah, so I went with um, Tarantino's Two Towers, which is a bit of a tongue twister. Um, That was uh, on the basis of uh, a Tarantino-directed Helm's Deep that would be akin to the Crazy 88 fight in Kill Bill. Um, Christopher Nolan's Back to the Future because timey-wimey stuff. And um, I forget the guy's first name, but Kronk's Exorcist. And that was purely on the basis that this Kronk guy is, uh, he made the um, God's Not Dead Christian indoctrination movies. And I thought it would be funny if he did The Exorcist. I believe it's Harold. Classic Harold. Um, Just like the guy in Neighbours. You went for Jennifer Kent's Passengers, uh, Tim Burton's Jaws, and James Gunn's League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. And the movie recommendation was 2013's Evil Dead. And I wonder if I've predicted today's film recommendation. Uh, you, you have not. Uh, um, I think it's time to go to our movie recommendations, Graham. I think it is. And it's yours this week, because I remembered the, the cadence. I, uh, I assume you guys are here for a movie recommendation. No, thank you. Nah. I'm fine. Nah, I'm fine. Uh, I'm all right, actually. Thanks, man. Nah, no, it's all right. I'm fine. No, it's all right. I'm fine. Yeah, it's all right. Fuck off. My choice is one of the films that I would have or would have potentially broken into my top three had we done movies you love but will never watch again. So the trailer for this made it look like it was like kind of like a quirky black comedy. Hmm. It's directed by uh, Cammie Griffin, whose okay. son uh, is the uh, titular character in one of your favourite films. Yeah, Jojo Rabbit. So, yeah, so she is Jojo Rabbit's mum and uh, the his brothers, because he has okay. twin brothers. Joe and Joe. Joe yeah, Joe, Joe and Joe. His brothers play the clones in Jojo Rabbit. Oh, the... Yeah. Yeah. So they're in it as well. It's a bit it's a bit of a family affair. Um and then also I think Thomas and Mackenzie's sister might be in it. Okay. So yeah. There, there's a it's lot a of real Jojo uh, uh family loving. Yeah, exactly. And that's what you want from films. Um so Silent Night is it's about a group of friends who reunite for one final Christmas right before uh the apocalypse, basically. So the world's mm-hmm. going to be wiped out by some uh, like cloudy disease, basically. Um, and yeah, it, 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 I thought it was going to be really funny because it looked that kind of like, you know, that kind of comedy. But it's, it's really bleak and soul-destroying. And it's the <laughs> kind of film that once I finished, I needed to message people to tell them I cared about them. Like that kind of like... yeah. And I think that's also made worse by the fact that I thought it was it, it seemed like it was going to be a comedy. Yeah, you you always feel um, that there's a the the rug gets pulled 
from yeah. underneath you somewhat, doesn't it? In that regard, and like, to, like it is, it is a black comedy. So there are yeah. funny scenes in it, but it it's a lot darker a dark comedy than I thought. To the point, it goes a little bit that Scrubs episode on you, uh, okay? Where it suddenly is like, oh, this isn't funny anymore. This is yeah. now just oh, that's a dead baby, that kind of thing, <laughs> right? Okay, yeah. Yeah, it's and then the 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 ending, which I won't spoil, is just fucking bleak. But I would rec I would really recommend this film. I thought it was really really well done. But I mm. never want to watch it again. Fair enough. So also, just if you want something else that's quite bleak, um, the uh, Roman Griffin June Davis, sorry, who is the um the guy who plays Jojo Rabbit and is in this movie, um, is now sixteen. Oh fucking hell. <laughs> Fair play. Um, if someone want, you know, if if people aren't really into watching something that's uh, that is that bleak and is going to leave them feeling really depressed and need something that's a bit more uplifting, do you have any uh, film recommendations uh, that they could watch instead? Yes. So my recommendation for them would be uh, to get a grip of themselves and realize what life is actually like and dive even deeper into bleakness and. Uh, Things like that. But a film that we would happily rewatch because we have rewatched it a load of times. And that is Ari Aster's Midsummer. Because of course it is. We're not changing things on our third birthday. It's still an incredible film. It's still very well done. It's still everything we've been telling you it is for three years now. Well, mm. just under three years because we didn't recommend Midsummer in our first episode. But this is true. From episode two onwards. We've been telling you to watch Midsummer, and you should. I agree. You should. You should. And and on that note, it's time to go into our choices. We could talk about another top three movies you wish had a different director revisited. Mm. And the first choice is yours. It is. First choice. So weirdly, um, I say weirdly. My first choice last time was Tarantino doing something. My first choice this time is Tarantino doing something. It's not that weird. He's one of my favourite directors. Last time we went down the route of looking at it from the, the point of view of the Crazy A8 fight and Kill Bill and how that could translate into Two Towers, Helm's Deep, and that would be awesome. This time I want to take it a step back to not a specific kind of um, fight scene or anything like that, but just the way that Tarantino... and we, Maybe this is in my head because we've just recently done an episode with the Church of Tarantino. Of fucking, 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 it does, yeah. It is another podcast. Uh, it is also a, a bit, bit of a cult. Like, <laughs> I won't. I won't lie. If it turned out that with his um, sultry tones, uh, the Reverend Scott K uh, happened to be uh, a cult leader, wouldn't be that surprised. Yeah, yeah. Or an occult so, leader. Or yeah, or or or, or both. Yeah. But um, yeah, so we recently have been speaking, and that led me into kind of you know thinking a lot more about the tarantino kind of um uh, how he really plays on the um like 
bringing these inspirations from all of these films he's watched. And you listen to, I mean, his, not that I need to plug Tarantino's podcast, but his podcast, which is called Video Archives. Is that I think right? So, yeah. He, all it is, is his like encyclopedic knowledge of all of these movies that he's watched from over the years. And there's tons of them. And he, he just knows the stuff inside out and he's clearly pulled so many of these influences into different movies that he's done. And, you know, some of them are kind of, you know, lovingly ripping off bits. Some of them are inspired by it. it's the, the whole gamut really. But the, because of this, I feel like, and we know that Tarantino has got like a love of like, his kind of like the Kung Fu movies and all of that kind of stuff, which a lot of which obviously, inspired the kill bill movies but he's obviously he's clearly got a love of like japanese cinema and stuff so i want him to i want to see his take on my favorite um it's korean isn't it is it korean it's japanese no it is okay you worried me there with the look you gave me (laughs) (laughs) i was like you yeah no it is japanese in fuck's sake stop making me such famously so yeah i know stop it Fuck you. Uh, <laughs> but my favourite Japanese movie of all time, which is uh, 2000's Battle Royale, originally directed by Kinji Fukusaku, which I think I pronounced correctly. The original Battle Royale movie. So I read the manga before I saw the film. I got a feeling the novel came out first. I don't know if the manga or the film came next. Um, I'm on it. I'm Googling. Cool. Get your Google on. Time to Google. But, uh, yeah, it, I mean, and don't get me wrong, it's a great movie. Um, and for those of you that haven't seen it, it's basically like a... It's. I can only imagine the inspiration for The Hunger Games. Um, it's, it's a very similar kind of concept. And, 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 and now an entire genre of video game. Uh, this is also which true, is, yeah. Which is insane. Which is very strange, yeah. And also weird that they kept the like those games are battle royale yeah. games. Um, um, but yeah, just to answer, uh, book and then simultaneously manga film. Okay. Of it. Cool. Um, so yeah, essentially, there's this like um, the Japan in the near future, the Japanese government has passed the Battle Royale Act and the idea is to curb juvenile delinquency. And the way they do that is they pick a random class from a school, put them on this island, they all get like bomb necklaces around them so they don't kind of run away or do anything. Uh and then they have to kill each other until there's one man standing or one woman standing or one kid standing. And like you say, that's exactly the same premise as like player unknown battlegrounds and all of the the COD battle royale games and Fortnite and everything. It's every man for themselves. The area that you can be in gets smaller to kind of push people together. And yeah, it's kind of it's dystopian. It's hyper violent. It's a really really good film. The manga is kind of a bit more extreme than the um, movie, which I guess kind of makes sense because there's a bit more kind of license you can take with illustrations versus uh, live action film but yeah i'd just like to see tarantino's take on it really i think it um given his i think it would be it would obviously be an americanized version of it but i also feel like he's got enough respect for the um the source material for uh the fact that it is a 
you know based in uh, it's a japanese film the fact that you know we've we, there's a history of him doing stuff in other languages like with bastards i think his majority of the film isn't in english a lot of it's subtitled and the other thing that i think would be really good is the way that he brings out these actors from kind of obscurity from and who know the sort of language and stuff and put them in the limelight ahead of someone just who's a who's a big name who you know you could either make them do like a crappy japanese accent or um or just completely americanize it so i think he's got that going for him too and obviously like the idea of a kind of hyper violent film plays particularly well into the uh the tarantino the tarantino verse so yeah pluck it plucking actors from obscurity and samuel jackson and samuel jackson yeah, yeah. Because he would have Samuel to be Jackson would would one hundred percent be like the the guy behind it, or wouldn't it? Either that, or they'll like Inglorious Bastards it, and he'll be like the just a narrator. Yeah, a narrator explain because they show them a video that explains it, right? Yeah, when they've just been sort of captured. Yeah, yeah. But like alternatively, I wouldn't be against just a proper remake of it. Yeah, and if, it's it, if, it is a little dated now. If he were to go that route instead of doing a Japanese version of it, just going pure American reboot, yeah, it would be Maya Hawk, wouldn't it? A hundred percent. Which I think could be very, very good. Yeah. And then is there a... Uh, who else keeps coming back? Because you'd get Tim Roth. Tim Roth would have to be in it. Yep. Um, Michael Madsen. Michael Madsen. Tar- I think Tarantino I mean, would insist on being in yeah, it. Yeah, Tarantino would be like the teacher or something. Yeah. I also feel like, I mean, you say Maya Hawk, but also kind of like the rest of the Stranger Things kids would probably rock up. Just the Stranger Kids, uh, Stranger Things, Stranger Kids things. The Stranger Things kids beating the shit out of each other. <laughs> Basically, yeah. And that kid who plays young Sheldon. Well, that that's where, for me, that is where the from obscurity angle comes from, right? This is true, yeah. And then you'll have I I haven't oh god, I haven't watched Battle Royale in fucking years. I've got like the mega special edition Blu-ray thing of it with all of the stuff. It's awesome. Of course you do. Do I still have the book? No. I did I never the read the book. It's very good. It's, you know it's good because it's got a map at the beginning. Yeah. All good books start with a map. That's very uh Michael Crichton y. All of his ones had maps at the beginning. Yeah, it's it's like Jurassic yeah. Park and stuff. Uh, yeah, very Michael Crichton, very Tolkien, very yeah, just any fantasy thing. Or the Master of Commander book started with a diagram of sales. Right. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I always I always found it funny because it was in. Uh, I don't know if this was because like someone thought it was hilarious to put move the book around, but in the WH Smiths in Uxbridge, the Battle Royale novel used to be in the kids section. <laughs> which is good. Nice. But yeah, no, I don't know. I and the reason I I had a slight reticence to going down the American version of it is just that we've had quite like I think old boy just sticks in my head. And yeah. like that, you know, Asian cinema to American cinema and completely missing the mark worries me. But also, you know, I think maybe Tarantino's probably got it in him that he would be able to do the American version, but with the homages to um, to the Japanese original. To be to be fair, which I don't think it gets a lot of credit because it also it doesn't get the ending to the remake of Old Boy. I thought was really really good. Okay, have you watched it? 
I haven't no, just because okay. it's been so panned, and I, I do you want me to bring myself? Do you want me to. to just spoil it? You can spoil it. Yeah, I'm not going to watch it anytime soon. Let's be real, Ian. I've watched two movies this year. I've watched The Room and I've watched The Fistful of Dollars. <laughs> no, for a few dollars more, and that is it. True. So, um, spoilers for I, I'm going to try to ruin the remake, but not ruin the actual old boy, which I think okay. everyone should watch because it's an incredible film. So, to talk as vaguely as I can. The remake ends with him voluntarily checking himself back into that prison. Okay. Which is, I think, is quite an interesting, like, it's not ambiguous, but yeah. I think it's an interesting way to do it. And that prison is run by Samuel Jackson. Nice. But yeah, I did, like, that is the one and only bit I watched of it, which was a bit like, oh, okay, this is, I see this. Yeah. But yeah, everything else was just pointless. You should just watch the original Old Boy. Mm. It looks like, uh, They've that plan. They had planned uh, a possible CW series based on Battle Royale. Oh no! Potential remake. So the guy who, re- I think it's Roy Lee, who uh, was producer on like the remake of The Ring, The Grudge, Old Boy as well. I think. Yeah. And a load of things like that wanted to redo Battle Royale, but then Hunger Games happened, and I think he Mate, was yeah, yeah he was basically quoted as saying people will think we're ripping that off rather than the other way around. <laughs> People yeah, won't I, know I can... Battle Royale came first. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Okay, and here's another reason why Tarantino would be perfect for doing this. In 2009, Quentin Tarantino listed Battle Royale as his favourite film released since he began directing in 1992. Nice. So he'd be up for it, clearly. Yeah, and, and there'll be a lot of um, Battle Royale with cheese yeah. references and memes going around it. Absolutely. Yeah, oh god, the CW would be the worst place for this to land. I would love it. I would oh, I would I, I would I would unironically watch a CW version of uh, Battle Royale. It would, oh, be, it would be so be stupid. Awful. It would be it would be I think it would be it would be awful, but great. One, <laughs> everyone would be clearly in their mid 20s and beautiful. Yeah. And Australian but doing American accents because that seems <laughs> to be a CW thing as well. Yeah. We'll chuck in Jensen Ackles will turn up because he he likes a good CW show. The soundtrack will be slightly on the poppier side of pop rock. Yeah. Um like oh unoffensive metal, that kind of thing. Yeah, I know what you mean, yeah. And and the uh the theme tune would be a guilty pleasure. That's the kind of thing. It would be. Yeah, I just can't. It, it would be. It would be Battle Royale meets Riverdale, and I. It would. It would hurt my soul. Yeah, it would. It would. It would. I'm not. I'm not saying it would be a. A, a soul fulfilling experience, but I would love to see what that looks like. Yeah, don't get me wrong. I'd watch out of morbid curiosity. Oh yeah. Well, this is rubbish. How much have you watched? Every, all of. I watched the whole season. <laughs> all of it. Yeah. I still haven't finished watching. Uh, the the one hundred, which was a CW series, which is a lot darker than I thought. Again, a lot darker. I thought that would be. I think there are at least two genocides in the show. Fair enough, as you do, as as you do. Yeah, I'm just looking through it. There's not a lot of good stuff on the CW, is there? Uh, no. <laughs> you had all the Arrow Flash stuff. Yeah. Um. Eye Zombie, which was ridiculous. Eye Zombie was great. I and think, then I just I stopped think. watching it. I had no interest in going back to it. But also, <laughs> I'm not comfortable with how hungry iZombie made me. <laughs> Weirdly, I've been... I've, CW... Weird. If you try... Try to visit 
cwtv.com forward slash shows. I've got a list on Wikipedia. <laughs> Is it- okay, but I've clicked it and it just says, sorry, you've been blocked. And it says, why have I been blocked? And it says, the action you just performed triggered the security solution. Oh, um, nice. Yeah, weird. Anyway. Um, um, Gilmore Girls yeah. with CW. One Tree Hill with CW. Smallville. Supernatural. Veronica Mars. Gossip Girl. Reaper. Do you remember Reaper? Reaper. I, I think I Kevin Smith had something to do with it. Um, Why do I remember Reaper? I feel like it was one of those ones that I downloaded loads before I went to uni. Yeah. Uh, the Tomorrow People. The 100, The Flash, Jane the Virgin, I Zombie. Crazy Ex-Girlfriend? I actually quite like Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. That's uh, the one. The remake of Dynasty. A remake of Kung Fu. They remade Kung Fu. <laughs> oh, there's a there's a follow-up to Supernatural, which I didn't realise was actually a thing. Everyone Hates Chris was the CW. Is that the Chris Rock thing? Yes. I'll stop just listing TV shows and we'll go back to what we were talking about. Anyway, there's a there is a hell of a lot. If you look down the list of like dramas on the CW, there's a hell of a lot that were only one season. <laughs> yeah, or or acquired <laughs> partway through from another show. Yeah, but yeah, I don't I I don't want to see the CW Battle Royale. I do want to see Tarantino's Battle Royale, and I think he would do a very good job. And as we've learned in the process of recording, it's his favorite movie since he started directing. Therefore, he'd be up for it. I rest my case. Nice. My case, which happens to glow gold. My first choice. And this is, uh, I was going to say, like, I don't think it's not controversial, but the fact Hmm. that I am saying we should replace Steven Spielberg probably is. Yeah, I suppose so. This is the 2016, I would say, mostly forgotten about. Hmm. uh, Spielberg adaptation of the BFG. So mm. the BFG was a mix of CGI. Yeah, a mix of CGI and live action. So obviously, like the giants right. were all uh, motion capture. The cast were good. Uh, so Mark Rylance played the BFG. Uh, Jermaine Clement was in there as flesh lump eater. Bill Hader was blood bottler. And then I won't just keep reading through uh, the cast because we don't have to. Uh, Rebecca Hall was in it, though, and Rebecca Hall's great. So the BFG, given, like, it just didn't hit the mark. Like, given given how kind of crazy and weird and wonderful, like, roll doll worlds are and things like that, this just didn't seem... It was forgettable, and that's not a word you would you should really associate, I think, with roll doll. The thing that... The... I find curious is that in the title for the film, the initial adjective of big seems kind of redundant because it's implied in giant. True, true. I, I, I don't think that the FG works as well. Or maybe he's big. Fr- he's big friendly. So his friend, oh, big friendly. His friendly is big, and he's a giant. <laughs> so what I think we do here is instead of Spielberg, we have the BFG directed by Hayao Mazagi, which is a name I've 100% butchered because I meant to Google how to pronounce it before and I didn't. Uh, so 
Miyazaki is the man behind Studio Ghibli. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he personally directed The Wind Rises, Ponyo, Howl's Moving Castle, uh, Spirited Away, Princess Mononoke, Porco Rosso, Kiki's Delivery Service, My Neighbor Totoro, and uh, Castle in the Sky, which are all like top t- top tier animated films, let alone top tier Studio Ghibli films. Yeah. This means the BFG will be entirely animated. So we're also having a little Didn't bit of... did we have a... that already? Hmm? Oh, uh, sorry, I thought I meant as a choice. There was an, an there was an animated BFG. I think it was... A... No, no. Yeah. You've lost... There's a delay. You've lost me. <laughs> There's a delay. Okay. Let me, let me stop the video. Is that any better? I that you can't ask that question because I don't know when you said that. <laughs> <laughs> I said it. I said it now. Now, okay. Uh, state your point again, and we will continue. There was an animated BFG in 1989, correct? Yes, I think I think it was a straight to TV thing, um, right? Because that's also the version of the BFG I remember. Yeah, like when I think of a BFG movie, I forget there was this one. Out. Yeah, David Jason is the BFG. Oh, really? Hmm. Interesting. Um, yeah, film was first shown uh, on Christmas Day, nineteen eighty nine, on ITV. There we go. Um, but yeah, so that th- this is the this is the version I think of when I think of um, the BFG. But for a full screen, full budget adaptation of it, I I, I want Miyazaki to have Spielberg money, so we're going for the twenty sixteen version. Okay. So it would be a medium switch back to animation. So we would have a proper like Studio Ghibli style animated movie. And I just think it would be incredible because all of the worlds created in Studio Ghibli and all of the things that they they do are always so fucking like it's just beautiful and amazing. <laughs> like all of the films I just listed are the polar opposite of the BFG in that I can clearly remember all of the like mm-hmm. background characters in them and just how the landscapes are drawn and created and the just the depth of the world creation which without having to do any of those shitty tropes that you don't like. Yeah. I just think lending that to a world created with Dahl is such an incredible combination uh, that I think it needs to happen Um, Studio Ghibli have um, so not Miyazaki but Studio Ghibli in general have a history of adapting British novels or British British children's fantasy novels right do you know which one they did I mean technically I think Howl's Moving Castle is a Welsh kids novel uh no i don't so they did ariati which is their version of the borrowers okay so there is a studio ghibli borrowers movie nice um and again like i just think these you know speaking uh speaking for you graham as as a as a, a man who's only watched two films this year but in their near future, is going to be watching a load of kids' films, probably slightly too many times. Yep, yeah, that's an accurate 
description of where I am in my life. How happy would you be if your son became a Studio Ghibli fan and those were the ones he insisted on watching all the time? I would be over the freaking moon. Right? They're just... They're, yeah. like, they are all kids' films, but they are so... <laughs> they're for, they're, they are literally for everyone. I think everyone can take something out of this. And... Not even just the BFG. I think any Dahl book, I think they would turn into an incredible film. Yeah, I I think um I think I'm with you on that. There's a lot of um Yeah, there's I mean, I've I haven't watched a huge amount. I've watched Spirited Away and I've watched um uh My Name is Toro and I love both of them. But uh yeah, just um I'm I'm just trying to think of Basically, um, and back to your point, like if if he w- ended up watching those in place of like Paw Patrol, which I've unfortunately had the dis the displeasure. dishonor. That's not the right word. Displeasure. displeasure. We'll go with that. Displeasure of having to watch because um, my partner's nieces watch it all the time. I'd be I'd be over the moon. So yeah, I think um, I think I'm with you on that. Um, question for you. If you were a big friendly giant for a day, what would you do? I can't say I've ever put a lot of thought into it. It's not well, something. Now's, lots of now's things. Lots of things keep me up at night, Graham. And the idea of what I would do as a big friendly giant is not one of them. Um, I would loiter. Loiter. Okay. Yeah, I would. I, I think I would. <laughs> I'd put all of my effort into uh, just turning someone's day into a horror movie. Doesn't 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 sound massively friendly. <laughs> no, I, I would. Um, I I don't know. I'd I'd I, I you'd have to find a quest, right? Well, actually, to be fair, I think you'd probably be giving the quest. I think giants typically they're more quest givers than quest receivers. So I'd have to give. Okay, so I would I would like I was planning an escape room or task. Well, I, I mean, to be fair, Alex Horn and Greg Davis are very tall. This is true. Yeah. So talking of escape rooms, have you seen this person going around the US? Locking escape is, room doors. Yeah, yeah. And then post posting a clue to the combination. I mean like fair play. <laughs> it's brilliant. I mean, it's clearly illegal, but it's hilarious. He's a sp- spirit of vengeance. Yeah. Um uh yeah, maybe I'd do that as a giant. <laughs> Just lock people in escape rooms. Yeah, lock 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 escape room doors. Fair. Um yeah. What, what about you? What would you do as a giant? What would I do as a giant? I would, um, I would stamp on Kenilworth Road. Uh, that's that's where the uh, that's where Luton play. Ah. Uh, to be fair, you wouldn't really notice much of a difference because it's a shithole. But um, yeah, we'd uh, we'd we'd tread on. And again, not very friendly. Well, actually, I think you know. Friendly for the rest of us. You, so you're a you're a big Watford giant, right? You're you're a big B W G rather than a BFG. BWG. Yeah, that's that's what I'm doing. Fair, fair. Yeah, I want a Studio Ghibli BFG, uh, specifically uh, a Miyazaki BFG, because also one of the the reason the reason I've been thinking about big friendly giants is. The other day, I just I really wanted to watch like a fantasy film, right? Because I love fantasy worlds, I love fantasy films, 
there's not that many that have done it well. Like as a genre, no. as a genre, you've got Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Labyrinth. Yeah. And that's it. There's not a lot of like top tier. All of the others are just a bit. There are a lot of good fantasy films, but they're all just like a bit silly and a bit like ah. Oh. And I think this would give us another top tier fantasy film to call our own. Well, to call Miyazaki's. To call Miyazaki Zone. So we've spoken a lot on the podcast about certain directors and certain directors we like a lot. And one of those is Mr. Edgar Wright. He obviously did the Cornetto trilogy, but I think my favourite Edgar Wright film is Baby Driver. And with Baby Driver in mind, I would like to see Edgar Wright's take on the Italian job. I don't think we do the 1960s Italian job um, because I think that is a, a very good film and, and well uh, well done. So I think he 60s. just takes the, <laughs> he takes it's his take on the more modern Italian job. So the 2003 one starring Mark Wahlberg. Um, Charlie Theron and uh, Edward Norton and Jason Statham. Um, I think he keeps the cast. I think he'd do a good job with that cast. Oh, and he's also got um, Seth Green in it. Yes, yeah. (laughs) Seth Green, did I send you that? I I mean, it ruins the end of the story if I didn't. But did you hear the whole Jay and Silent Bob? Uh, Oh, no, you sent me a TikTok, but I didn't watch it. Prick. Um, (laughs) So I, I was somewhere where I couldn't listen to it out loud. That's Not, fair. I wasn't just ignoring you. So after Clerks, mm. um, Kevin Smith got like studio funding to make more rats. Right. But the studio weren't sure about Jason Mewes because they didn't know if he could act under any conditions. Did you know, thought he would just turn up like drunk and high and things like that. So yeah. waiting in the wings, they had cast Seth Green as Jay, so that on the first day, if Jason Muse was shit, they could pop Seth Green in instead. <laughs> so there is a world where Jay and Silent Bob were Kevin Smith and Seth Green. Fair enough. Yeah, it's great, isn't it? Anyway, continue. Why that happened? Is is Seth Green like he's not? Has he done something bad, or is he just making Robot Chicken on his own in his room? I think he's just making stuff and still doing Family Guy. Like he's the oh, kind yeah, of, I forgot he was. He's the kind of guy, I think, if you checked his IMDb, it feels like he hasn't done anything, but he's probably got like 300 credits to his name. Yeah, there's there's a fair few. Yeah, he was in Guidance of the Galaxy 3. Interesting. Yeah, he's Howard the Duck. Hmm. Weird Al Yankovic. 206 credits to his name. Yeah. I also didn't realise that um, Robot Chicken went on for as long as it did. It only finished last year. Oh, I didn't even... 227 episodes! <laughs> Over eleven seasons. Fucking hell! Yeah, so he's predominantly that's that's kind of mad. Predominantly voiceover, from the looks of it. He was David Bowie in an episode of yeah. Historical Roasts. Fair enough. Because like late nineties, early two thousands, you couldn't really swing a cap uh, at Seth Green. Better phrase <laughs> without hitting Seth Green. Yeah, he was in everything, though, wasn't he? Oh. I, I mean, yeah, it, it it started feeling disconcerting when he wasn't in things. Yeah. Buffy, uh, Austin Powers, you've frozen, you're not frozen anymore. I, I think maybe we'll go. It's, it's 
I, I was getting overconfident with the video, but <laughs> it, it seems um, it seems like my uh, internet connection is being a bastard again. Um, but yeah, were you going to say something else about Seth Green, or should I go back to the Italian job? Uh, Seth Seth Green and his mate Brecken Meyer, who I think has had a very similar career, it was also everywhere yes. for a while. This is very true, but yeah, I just think. Um, I j- and to be fair, there's there's probably an argument to say that Baby Driver is Edgar Wright's Italian job, although it's not in Italy, so what are you on about? Yeah, I think given his kind of his love for that the the car chase and all of you know, it, which was clearly demonstrated in in um in Baby Driver to the point that even the I think we've had this discussion before, but the the best car chase in Baby Driver is mostly on foot. <laughs> Very good point. Yeah, I just I just think he'd be I think he'd be great. I think it would be you know a, a love letter to um to the sixties version to the sixties version. Um and uh, yeah, I don't know. I've I don't I've never even heard of F. Gary Gray, but he apparently no he didn't did he direct the Italian job the the new one. Yeah. Yes, F. Gary Gray. Yeah. yeah. Famous, um, famous for. Fuck, he directed. He directed a ton. He directed Fast and Furious Eight. That can't be right. I thought James Wan did that. Yeah. No, he did that. <laughs> he just likes car things with cars. Uh, Law Abiding Citizen. Straight out of Compton. Just straight out of Compton. So some if, a- some outcast music videos. He directed the music video for Miss Jackson. Are you for real? <laughs> I never meant to make no, okay. <laughs> but yeah, I mean Oh my I, god, this... Graham, 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 sorry. Yes, Ian. Sorry. Yes, Ian. He directed the music video for <laughs> Jason Waterfalls. <laughs> really? Yeah, so he directed oh. TLC's Waterfalls. Um now I feel a bit sorry for uh, I feel a bit bad about badmouthing F. Gary Gray, because um, what what a, what a tune! But yeah, the two thousand three Italian job wasn't as terrible as you would assume it would be, but also I don't think it lived up to the original. And yeah, I just think the Edgar Wright take on it would be um, would be more fun, especially with this cast, especially with where he would bring in sort of the music elements and stuff. And yeah, you know, bring bring Seth Green out of a. Uh, out of retirement from just doing voiceover stuff. Or maybe Seth Green does just do voiceover stuff in the Edgar Wright version, and he's like the voice of the mini. <laughs> so like a, a bit of a Knight Rider kind of thing. Yeah. He's like, ah, you're only supposed to blow my bloody doors off. Or he is randomly uh, a stop-motion toy character. <laughs> yeah. Like on the dashboard in, um, you know, like the Jesus in Dogma. <laughs> exactly that. Exactly that. He is Buddy Christ in uh, Edgar Wright's yeah. Italian job. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I like that because like the the issue with the new Italian job is just that it was a very, very generic by the numbers action movie. Yeah, and also it felt like a way to advertise that they'd redone the Mini Cooper. Yeah, and and <laughs> I, I think Ed, Edgar Wright could do something really interesting with it. Yeah, um, I also feel that. I don't know if I'm misremembering it, but they didn't bring Michael... Like, Michael Caine didn't have a cameo in it either, did he? No, I don't think so. So I feel like Edgar Wright would do that. Like, he'd be like... He he wouldn't bugger about. He'd, he'd get Caine I, in I there. Know, I know Michael Caine was... 
He was in the remake of Get Carter, which was awful. Yeah. I'm not sure, because they've remade a load of his fucking films. I don't think he yeah, was in did Alfie. Alfie? Yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure if he turned up in the remake of it. But yeah, I, I don't know. I feel like he'd he'd, uh, he'd pull some strings. Who, who would Simon Pegg and Nick Frost be in it? Oh, um, Simon would be... Uh, he'd be the Italian, and Nick Frost would be the job. <laughs> That, that that's funnier to me than it actually is. Yeah. I'm not even going to comment on that. I'm just gonna <laughs> I'm just gonna leave that out in the world. Oh. No, Nick Frost would be. I, I know we said well, well. Actually, if 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 um if we're bringing if we're moving Seth Green to a um dashboard ornament, then uh Nick Frost would be Seth Green because he's like a like the tech guy, isn't he? Mm. And then we'd I don't know where you'd put Simon Pegg. I've kind of I kind of don't really like Simon Pegg anymore. I read I started do you know what? When I started following Simon Pegg on Twitter, mm. I realized how annoying he was. He just moaned about everything. Yeah. You are you are currently moaning about him. It, true. <laughs> I'm just doing a meta thing. <laughs> this, is, this is for your benefit. Um oh, I very nearly said pegging peg, and that's uh <laughs> That's a different thing. That is a different thing. Um, he'd be in there somewhere. He'd um, we'd 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 pop him up somewhere. Mm. Maybe we'd switch out. Oh, I don't know. He couldn't do. I was going to say you could have him in instead of um, uh, in place of uh, Mark Wahlberg, but I don't know if he could really carry that kind of carry that kind of role. Yeah, it's. Uh, I, I I do like the idea of uh, the same cast. But I also feel like what Edgar Wright would do was kill them all off in the first twenty minutes and replace them with another crew. Yeah, potentially that. I was just say, do you realise Donald Southern's eighty-eight years old? I, I mean, like, no, no offence to to Mr. Sutherland, but he looks it. Do you think? Yeah, he wasn't eighty. He, he wasn't eighty-eight when he did this film because this film is like I'm, twenty I'm, years old. I'm I'm aware of that. I wasn't <laughs> looking at a picture of him there. <laughs> He just—I don't know—I feel like he looks better. Like he looks good for eighty-eight. Oh no! Like fair play, fair play. He does. He does look good for eighty-eight. But he also—it doesn't surprise me that he's eighty-eight. Crazy, crazy eighty-eight. Yeah. So anyway, I yeah, it's it may be a little too close to Baby Driver, but I think I think we'd get a good Italian job remake out of um, out of it. Right. So that's that's what I'm going for, Ian. So, this is uh, the first film in a franchise that just had its fourth release, which still blows my mind. And what we are doing here is killing time while I quickly double-check something that I hadn't checked before. So, what we are doing is replacing a Razzie-winning director with an Oscar-winning director. So I mean seems seems like a good start. It does. So we are talking about the Expendables. Mm. So the Expendables was directed by Sylvester Stallone. Sylvester Stallone won a Razzie for directing Rocky Four. Yeah. And was nominated for a Razzie for directing the Expendables. <laughs> I feel that's a bit unfair. I love the Expendables. I we will get onto that. I want to replace him with Catherine Bigelow. Yeah. Who won 
an Oscar for directing The Hurt Locker and directed what I would say is one of the greatest action movies ever made. She is also very often on lists of like best action directors and things like that. Um, so yeah. she, yeah, she, so she directed Point Break. Okay. She also directed Strange Days, which is a film that I have become obsessed with because uh, we actually posted a clip of it to our Instagram because Angela Bassett uh, holds Ralph Fiennes up against a wall and says, "This is your life, right here, right now." And ah, uh, yes, that yeah, is yeah. where Fatboy Slim samples right here, right now from the song right here, right now, which has now become a running joke that I want that to be a reading at my wedding. <laughs> Just someone very dramatically going, "Right here, right now, right here, when, right now." Right, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. <laughs> yeah, so I think Catherine Bigelow would be able to make this film good. So I don't like the Expendables. I do, however, like the Expendables two and three because okay. the Expendables two realized it was stupid and became a bit more of a comedy. Um. The Expendables didn't feel fun. I completely disagree with you. I thought it was fun, really fun, and I thought it 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 knew what it was. It was an it was a coming together of ridiculous meatheads doing an homage to eighties action movies. I I don't know. I felt that's what Expendables two was. Let's be honest. Every single Expendables film was that. It was just done in slightly different ways. And Expendables two is when they bought in. Uh, so, Arnie, no, right? so Arnie was in. He was in uncredited cameo in the first one. So I think they met in like a right, church okay. or something. Um, Expendables, but he had a bigger part. Yeah. So Expendables two, yeah. two was uh, John Claude Van Damme was the bad guy who was called John Villain. <laughs> um, and apparently <laughs> he wanted to come back as his twin brother Claude Villain. In a later film, um, that's Brilliant. also the one that's got um, Chuck Norris in. Chuck Norris turns up in the second one. Yeah, there was always rumours of Nicolas Cage being attached to them, um, but he never did. Yeah. There were talks of John Travolta being in them. Uh, I think Jackie Chan was approached as well. And then Expendables three, Mel Gibson was the bad guy, and I think they did get Antonio Banderas back into it. Yeah, but the Expendables one was. Eric Roberts as the bad guy. Yes. Uh, famous for his uh, his turn in A Karate Christmas Miracle. What a film. What a film. And, like, don't get me wrong. Like, they can't, like, obviously, Stallone, Statham, Jet Li, Dolph Lundgren, uh, Steve Austin was in this one. Terry Crews, Mickey yeah. Rourke, Charisma Car- uh, Carpenter, uh, Bruce Willis, Arnie. But I don't know. For me, like, I, I, the Expendables didn't leave the mark, like, Expendables 2 did. I think Expendables 2 was when they kind of got the the dynamic right. But if Catherine Bigelow was doing it, I think with this cast, this could easily have been, unironically, the best action movie ever made. It's a big assertion. I don't, but I don't think it could be because I think it needs to be ridiculous. True, but I... And I don't think that's necessarily the Catherine Bigelow point approach break. to things. Yeah. <laughs> Point, point Break is ridiculous. It is. It's, but the story is more ridiculous I than the disagree. action. I disagree. 
Point Break ends no? with Suicide by Wave. Yeah, which is the story, but that's not the action. That's the story. I, 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 think, I think... I don't think... It's not like over-the-top ridiculous, like buildings exploding and, you know, throwing, firing from a tank that's suspended from a helicopter kind um, of stuff. I... I think I think Point Break is. Uh, I I understand your point. I I, I appreciate your point. Uh, your point, my break, point Break. Yes. But I still think she could do. I think she would understand the assignment here. I st- I still think Stallone took expect the Expendables slightly too seriously. I think it took them getting because the Expendables two was directed by the same guy who did Con Air, so Simon West. Mm. And I think he understood the assignment more than Stallone did. Yeah, I guess. But then is the is the better argument not to say we'll get him in for the I first I mean, you one. could. But also, I think Catherine Bigelow is one of the best action directors who's ever done anything. So I'm just very interested to see what she could do with this cast and the idea of just making an over-the-top action film. Like, I think it would have been fucking insane. And... She has a pre-existing working relationship with Keanu Reeves. So getting mm. her in, there is a chance we could get Keanu Reeves in an Expendables movie. And that sounds like it would be awesome. Just playing a... Just playing a character called, like, Reeves. John Wick. He would be a sage or uh, some kind of monk who kicks ass. But, yeah, I think Catherine Bigelow could smash the Expendables out of the park. and. We clearly dis. I I will I will rewatch it to uh, confirm my assertions. Maybe I was in a bad maybe I was in a bad place when I watched it the first time, but I I didn't get from like I said I didn't get from Expendables what I got from Expendables two. So I want to see uh, the action movie director give it a go and see what happens. Uh, similar to similar to your Italian job. We'll give him the same cast, the the same plot. We'll chuck a Keanu Reeves in. Um, was it the singer from Red Hot Chili Peppers who was in Point Break? Yeah, Sneaky. Yes. Yeah. So we'll chuck him in as well. Why not? He could do the soundtrack for us. Have you seen? I I saw a a clip on I think Twitter or something the other day that there are some flat earth conspiracy theorists that have jumped on the lyrics for Californication as proof that the Red Hot Chili Peppers are aware of what the deep state is doing. No, um, I was not aware of that. What 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 lyrics? <laughs> Psychic spies from China try to steal your mind's elation. Uh, little girls from Sweden dreams of silver screen quotation. Apparently that's... Um, uh, what's her face? Uh, Greta Thunberg. They think that's Greta Thunberg. Yeah, little girls from Sweden's dream of silver screen quotation apparently is uh, is a premonition of um, Greta Thunberg and her quest for um, the the earth this, not burning. This song came out. I don't know. Four years before she was born. Yeah. Oh, Greta, Greta d- Thunberg is twenty. Oh, really? Well, yeah. But yeah, it's it's a, a teenage bi- bride with a baby inside getting high on information is, I think, something they, they were talking about with abortion. Yeah, Alderaan's not far away. It's Californication is apparently something to do with um, proving That's that the, the, world is, uh, the world is flat. I mean, it's mad. Um, it's just this woman 
listening to Californication, showing the lyrics and then pointing at pictures and nodding uh, when the different lyrics come up. Um, but yeah, good old, uh, good old mental conspiracy theorists. I do think that maybe the world would be a better place without. Actually, no, I know if, the if world would like... be a better place without social media. I. No one would listen to the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Social media has its purposes. It has its purposes. Uh, maybe you need a license. Maybe you need a license yeah, to maybe, be yeah. able to we're, be on we're. social media. This is getting very right wing. <laughs> people, people need a license. So maybe, maybe some kind of state-controlled social media. <laughs> and and we'll throw it back mm. over to you. Oh, for my choice, not just for more more commentary on the the state of our uh, state of our world. <laughs> So my final choice is the we spoke about the film before because it was part of our League of Good Bad movies. It is the Super Mario Bros film. No, not that new one. The one with uh, Bob Hoskins and John Leguizamo in it. It is objectively terrible, but it was 1993. Uh, Super Mario Bros. was probably one of the hottest uh, like IPs out there, and obviously they were going to make a film. They just made a really bad one. It was the first movie that was sort of based on a video game, and we've had some instances of like really bad versions of movies that have been picked up and made really good with a different director, or really kind of like obscure movies uh, that have been picked up and made really good by a director because he was the right person to do that. And I can't think of anyone better to pick up the original Super Mario Bros than James Gunn. Yeah. I think it's a, you know, similar to Guardians and similar to Suicide Squad, it is kind of like an ensemble kind of cast, right? It's the I know Mario is the main character, but it is kind of like the extended mario family you've got luigi you've got peach you've got the big bad guy in bowser you've got you've got um yoshi who i i would suggest i would i would give a note at least to um to james gunn to say maybe don't make yoshi princess peach's main love interest in the movie but so i it's not peach oh sorry it's not it's daisy isn't it it's daisy yeah and it is Bowser, but they don't call He's him King Bowser, Cooper, right? Yeah, yeah. Which I think yeah. is just another name. Is also Bowser is also known as King Cooper. Yeah, I've got a feeling that maybe the original Japanese is King Cooper before he got like his. I mean, I think Bowser maybe was the Americanized version. I might be wrong there, but that's that seems to be a. Oh, I'm get I'm getting fucking flashbacks to this film just reading through <laughs> it. Twenty years later, Italian American brothers Mario Mario and Luigi Mario, working as plumbers in Brooklyn, are close to being driven out of business by a mafioso. <laughs> it's mad, <sighs> isn't it? It was it was an absolutely mad movie. What was the um, what was the parallel dimension version of New York as well? It was like, was it New New York or something? No, that's from something else, isn't it? New 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 York, I think, is from like every post-apocalyptic thing in the in the uh, yeah eighties. Uh, Dino Hatton. <laughs> I lo- I also love the beginning in nineteen seventy three. A large egg and a rock are left at a Catholic orphanage. Uh. <laughs> and the egg hatches into a human baby girl. <laughs> Uh, aided by Toad, a good-natured guitarist who has devolved into a Goomba, a semi-humanoid dinosaur is punishment. 
Oh fuck me, this is yeah, weird. it is it is insane. Um, and her dad's fungus. Oh yeah, like dripping from the ceiling. Yeah, yeah. Matt, uh, absolutely. Yeah, you're right. I'm getting flashbacks too now. It is mad. But yeah, I also think it's got yeah in in a similar in a similar uh, tilt to like the Suicide Squad. It it's the source materials there, right? That there's a good you know the, the Mario and all of the kind of you know surrounding kind of um, uh, IP around not only like the Mario games, but you've got all of the like, but not sorry, the like the main Mario games, but then you've got the extended stuff in like Mario Kart, which I know they bring into the um, the twenty twenty three um, Mario Bros movie, which I've not yeah. seen, but um, but they uh, yeah, I just feel like there's so much that could be done with this, especially you know thirty years on and yeah i just think i think james gunn would would nail it i think he'd get the right casting i think he'd get the right tone i think he'd keep it kind of insane but like in a enjoyable way like so like his version of, of suicide squad with the massive starfish thing is mental but it's done really well and much better than the weird like cara delavine bad guy in the original um uh suicide squad movie i don't know if he keeps anyone from the original cast um maybe john luguzamo um i don't know if he'd necessarily play luigi but um maybe he's he finds a way to stick around in the same way that um margot robbie did in the suicide squad but outside of that i don't yeah are we doing um Sorry, I'm just doing a bit of... So this was 1993. Yeah. Um, a 22-year-old Nathan Fillion would be in it. Yeah. Because it's James Gunn. Yeah, this is true. And then... Uh, so Mario and Luigi would be Nathan Fillion as Luigi. Yeah. And Michael Rooker as Mario. I like it. Because that's how it yeah. works. And James Gunn's uh, brother would be we in would it. We would then... Right? Oh, yeah, he'd be he would motion cap he would be Yoshi. Yes. Um Sylvester Stallone would be um Bowser. Yeah. because uh, Stallone's done three things with him. Yeah, those feel like the most time appropriate if we're throwing it back to that kind of time. If we're doing it now, Karen Gillan or Karen Gillan plays Daisy, surely. Yeah, or um I can't pronounce her surname. Pom Clementiev. Oh, yeah. She would be really good as Peach. Yeah. Kurt Russell, you could chuck him in there. Yeah, why not? Vin Diesel. Vin Diesel could be Yoshi. True. Ah, oh, John he's worked with John Cena a few times. Yes, John Cena. John Cena is Bowser. Ah, oh, but then what would Stallone be? Uh, actually, I tell you what. John John Cena as Toad. John Cena either as Toad or he plays like the two he plays both of the Bowser henchmen. Is it Iggy and someone? Um, yeah, Iggy and yeah, Iggy yeah, and Spike. Gets... But he plays both yes. of them. You know, like how they got um, Matt Lucas to do both of Tweedledum and Tweedledee in, um, yeah, yes. like that, but better. Sold. But yeah, I I don't know. I think this is. I think this could be just uh, a lot of fun. I think it because it was also weirdly was it 
PG thirteen as well. Was that one of the issues with it that why it, that why it also did so badly? Or am I misremembering? I mean, that? let's be real. Let let's be real here, Graham. There's a lot of reasons why it did so badly. I don't think it being PG thirteen even cracked this, the top this five. Is, this is very true. I, yeah, I can't, I can't, uh, I can't argue with that. But like, I I like the idea of it kind of being a bit more, um, a bit more of the um, kind of mature tilt on uh, Mario rather than because we've had the you know we've had the kids Mario movie right, which is has just come out. So still wanted to have that um that kind of and i think that plays into james gunn's um hand as well so uh yeah i just think it would be great why not why not why not ian no i think we're i think you're onto something there let's do it get him on the phone final choice choice finale final choice so this is uh so this solves two issues for me okay how many have you got left after those two issues are solved <laughs> <laughs> i have so many I have so many issues uh so this is a film that i feel like could have been more horror okay and it is a director that i really want to see do a musical so it is a perfect combination that i think elevates the original film and lets me see jordan peele direct a musical yep so, for this, we are going to attend the tale of Sweeney Todd. His skin was pale and his eyes were odd. <laughs> he shaved the face of gentlemen who never thereafter were heard of again. Etc, etc. We're talking about Sweeney Todd, the demon barber of Sweet, uh, Fleet yeah. Street. The Tim Burton directed musical, which was very much marketed as a horror movie and not a musical. Yes, this is true. I, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, I think, I think it could have been better. Yeah, I don't know how. I don't know how much of me enjoying it was just because Sweeney Todd is really good. You get what I mean? Yeah, but I, th- I mean, I thought Johnny Depp was very good in it. I thought Helena Bonham Carter was very good in it. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I'd be interested to see a different take on it because I, I really liked it. Yeah, like th- this. This was very much a gothic yeah. musical. I want to see a very much horror musical and really lean into the slasher murder kind of side wasn't of it. it briefly didn't it briefly held hold the um record for most fake blood in a movie i'm not i don't think so because it is like some of those deaths are over the top in terms of the amount of blood that comes out oh there's there's a, there's a lot of fake blood don't get me wrong but i, I don't think it did but i could be wrong that didn't pop up when i was reading into it anyway yeah. And, uh, yeah, Johnny Depp was nominated for Best Actor for it. Mm. Who did he lose to? Let's have a, let's, let's, let's have a look. Some live, live researching for everyone. He lost to Daniel Day-Lewis for There Will Be Blood. That's fair. Which is ironic, because there was blood in Sweeney Todd. Hey! Possibly record-breaking in Possibly. Blood, but who knows? Uh, but, yeah, so, like, I'm not saying, I'm not saying it's bad. I'm not saying the Sweeney Todd movie's bad. Like, it was very enjoyable. I liked it for what it was. It was a very Tim Burton-y musical. But I've already seen Tim Burton musicals, Graham. I really want to see Jordan Peele do mm-hmm. one. Uh, and throwing his full horror weight behind Sweeney Todd, I think it could be fucking incredible. Has he got... I'm trying to think of... of um, has he done much with, with music? 
I'm trying to think of like uh, uh, so, Key and Peele stuff. So there are Key and Peele sketches that are musicals. There's one which is a Les Mis one where they want to stop right. singing. There have been musical style Key and Peele sketches. Yeah. And obviously this is one of the bloodier musicals around. So I feel like it is a good kind of midpoint for them. With him having done Get Out, Us and Nope, which are three of the best. Well, Get Out and Us especially are very, very, you know, they're up there in any list of best horror movies ever, yeah. I think. And Nope is still horror, but I think it's more towards the sci-fi end of it. And that is still fucking incredible. Yeah, I just think there's so much he can bring from that to really give Sweeney Todd, I think, the horror emphasis it needs. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I'd be intrigued. I'll be intrigued to um to see it. Yeah, I don't know. I do, I do love, I do love the Tim Burton version, but I'm, I'm, I'm open to anything that Jordan Peele would do. He's, he is quite clearly fantastic. I guess the one thing that might be missing from Sweeney Todd for Jordan Peele is like the political message, because obviously there's, there's undertone. I haven't seen Nope yet, but certainly in Us and Get Out, there's obviously a lot of kind of political undertones and and subtext so um maybe you could do it on the price of food i mean possibly yeah the price of pies yeah. skyrocketing only only um only the upper crust of society can afford them awesome oh <laughs> so sweeney todd was falsely convicted okay um and then exiled to australia where then the judge used his position of power to uh, abuse sweeney todd's wife right so there there, there is definitely uh I, I think there is a political thing you can pick up there just on like abuse of office and things yeah. like that, um, and being falsely convicted led to this guy becoming a mass murderer. Fair, yeah. So, like, I, I think there is an interesting angle you can get at it, and and like I said, I did like the Tim Burton version. Like, I'm not saying Jordan Peele needs to do it because Tim Burton's version was bad. I just think Jordan Peele could do a better version of it. Yeah, I also I do think um, whilst whilst the wrongful imprisonment and abuse of power is one take, I do think. Um, I would go down the use the the uh, cost of living crisis. Cost of, yeah, co- cost cost of living uh, crisis. Because yeah. isn't it um, back in my day, pies were uh, even the worst pies in London were cheap as fuck. <laughs> nice. Well, and also because is it next? It, her next door neighbour makes them out of cats as well, doesn't she? Yes, yes, I think she does. Baking pussies into pies, I believe, is a lyric. Way. It's not quite grease, <laughs> but it's uh, it's up there. <laughs> The girls will cream. I still can't, can't quite fathom. Like my brain forgets that, yeah. just for its own protection, <laughs> and then will suddenly remember it again, and I'll just wake up in like cold sweats. Yeah, it's it's funny, isn't it, that that Sweeney Todd wouldn't work in America because all of their pies, like they don't really do meat pies out there. So you'd need to. I don't think there's any parts of people that you could disguise as like a peach cobbler. Yeah, if we were going to move it to another, the other country that jumps out would be Sweeney Todd. Just doesn't come back from Australia. Yeah, they like the they like their pies. It's yeah. just yeah, they like they like their pies. I think there are so many. Like, there's a video I've seen a couple of times now because various algorithms seem to think it's my thing, and they probably think that because I watch it in its entirety every time it's shown to me. Uh. The Big Show being introduced to Scotch Eggs. I haven't seen that. 
So it was, I think it was like a BuzzFeed thing. So it was him and Paige, and they were doing like English versus American right. foods. And one of the English ones was a Scotch egg. So you got to see a grown seven foot tall man eat his first Scotch Amazing. egg. And we're just like, this is, this is great. This is a perfect breakfast food. It's like, yeah, it is. I love Scotch eggs. Yeah, obviously where this conversation would go. But there's not much else to say about it, to be honest. It's just Jordan Peele is one of my favourite directors. He's yet to do something badly. I really want to see him do a musical just because I think he would bring quite a unique perspective to it. And I'm interested in seeing him what that would be. And... Mm. This feels like the perfect musical for him because, like I said, it is a horror musical that you can really kind of big up the horror. And like you said, The Cost of Pies is a political message that we haven't really given the its due attention. It, well, you know, it's it's. I feel I feel like there's there should be a pie index that that is the the true um, indicator. Uh, do you know what? I'm going to go out on a limb here and say The Cost of Pies would be a very good index for the cost of because it has such crucial ingredients like flour butter and meat and i think tracking those but then in one kind of place as a pie rather than individually well i've got a, i've um, got something i got something here so in the big mac index is Kink- the, the big one that people use isn't it yeah so in in kingston in the 80s jamaica or the uk a pie Oh, uh, I know what you're gonna, go I know what you're going for. I know the joke. It, uh, <laughs> you bastard! It's, it's the, the pirates, pirates of the of Caribbean. The Caribbean. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck you, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's um, a great joke, but you made it a little bit. You made great, it a little bit too obvious. Oh, that's that's why I went with Kingston rather than uh, <laughs> Jamaica. But there were there were different. There, I, maybe I could have approached that differently. Who knows? Uh, <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry for ruining uh, your joke. I deserved it, Graham. I need to learn. I need to be put <laughs> in my place occasionally. Speaking of doing things differently, that is the entire argument for Jordan Peele doing mm. Sweetie Todd. I want to watch it. It'll be great. All good. All good. But I mean, my, but to be fair, my favourite part of Sweeney Todd is still just Alan Rickman going. And that's it. That that I want to keep that. Just just him. Just that noise, and everything else. I'll be happy to see done differently. Just because I think it would be impressive. So those were our choices. They were, and that brings us on to the point of the podcast, Graham. The the sweet sweet pointy point of the podcast. Indeed, yeah. Well, I'm, I was trying to think of something that's sweet and pointy. Maybe like um, when you've been sucking on a stick of rock for like an hour or so, and it goes into that really like like an ice pick. I Very similar, but I was thinking candy cane, mm. which just made me think of some kind of like psychopathic elf. Yeah. I mean, candy cane and rock are essentially the same thing, right? Just with a bend. I think it without a reinforced center. Because a rock has kind of got layers, and a candy cane is just candy cane. This is a very Christmassy conversation for us to be having at the end of September. It is. Um, anyway, doesn't matter. Yeah, <laughs> that, none of this matters at all. So, that brings us on to the top three of your three. Mm. So, out of your choices th- this time round, yes. what is the top three going to be? Top three is, um, actually, if I think I remember the... <laughs> order i did them in i think it's the reverse order of them um so edgar wright's italian job in three um 
Oh no, I didn't do that. I did that second, didn't I? Anyway, Edgar Wright. People, telling- people might have realised we we've left a little bit of time between recording the bulk <laughs> of the episode and now. If yes. you didn't pick up from that, from the fact that I seem to have a lot more energy now than I did during the episode, <laughs> then you've definitely figured it out now. And if not, then now when I explicitly said that's what I yeah. Happened. Anyway, third place Edgar Wright's talent job, just because I think Baby Driver's probably close enough to it so whilst i'd yeah. like to see it we've kind of got it second place um tarantino's battle royale i think it would be great but the original is still very good so i wouldn't be mad if we didn't get it and also probably unlikely given tarantino's not really whilst as we've spoken about like he's there for the homages and he's there for the inspiration he's not really the type that i would assume would kind of want to pick up an existing ip and do a remake of it Mm. um and then number one uh james gunn super mario bros because i feel like he could he could save it he's done it once before he could do it once again yeah and like we have because because we have now embraced the fact that time has passed we have both decided we want to rewatch Super Mario Bros. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I, I listened back to our League of Good Bad Movies episode of it and it, it definitely reopened my eyes somewhat too cuz it opens with Peach's pit pit Peach's Peach fucking hell Princess Daisy being <laughs> delivered to a nunnery in an egg. Yes. Yeah. Fucking weird. So my my top 3 um I think I will. We we had a bit of a debate about the good the goodness of the Expendables. Yeah. Um. I still think Catherine Bigelow would have made a better film, and I'm still interested in seeing that. But also, I would happily just see her make an action film. So I don't yeah. think it necessarily needs to be her quite like the other two. So I'm going to put her her in a three. At uh, number two, I'm going to do Jordan Peele's. Uh, Sweeney Todd, the Demon Barber of Fleet Street, because I think that could be a very, very interesting version of it. Um, because I, th- I think like Tim Burton's was just exactly what you'd imagine a Tim Burton one to be, and I don't know what a Peel version of it would be, and I'm very excited to see what that would be. And then number I've said B too many times, uh, and number one, uh, Miyazaki's The BFG because I think the world needs a Studio Ghibli version of that film more than it needs the Spielberg version of that film. Fair enough. Nice. So! So? The official podcast nobody asked for top three. Mm. This time round, because we have ran through 12 choices over two years. Three years. Two years. Three years. Three years. Three years. You you did the same thing I did then of yeah. relating it back to a birthday episode. Yeah, hundred percent. No, three years. Over three, three years. years, we have How many years run in? through three. three, three of the years, um, which is which, which is it's a top three. It's a, it's a three twas, years top three of our three. So it was years three. Twas year was four three score, but actually three years ago, not two, unless you are going to three. Uh, so one thousand and ninety-five days. Was that a quick Google? Or are you just like, <laughs> you just know your days? I, yeah, I Google it. Yeah. Uh, so, because we have 12 26,280 hours. That, that's, uh, is that the sequel to Rent? <laughs> yes. How do you measure three years 
in the life of a podcast. Um, so, because we have gone through 12 choices in, all together now, three years, yeah. we are going to pick our official top three based on all of them. So, we ran through... 1,576,800 the of- <laughs> uh, minutes. 1 million, whatever the fuck else you said, and the rest. 800 minutes. How do you measure three years? <laughs> we could write a musical. Yeah, it'd be shit. No, watch it. We could write one. Yeah, I mean, let's Sorry, go Sorry, I it. interjected. Don't you worry, did. I'm not going to do seconds. So our top no, three is going to be a cover. <laughs> so our top three is going to be all out of all 12 choices. Okay. We did run through them at the top of the episode, but just to refresh people's memory, the other six were Quentin Tarantino's The Two Towers, Christopher Nolan's Back to the Future, Harold Cronk's Exorcist, which, spoilers, don't think it's going to crack the top three, uh, Jennifer Kent's Passages, Tim Burton's Jaws, and James Gunn's The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. So how are you feeling about this? What's your initial take? I'm feeling spicy. Spicy. How spicy? On a scale of spice? Uh, the Vusa. Nando's. Ah. Mm. Interesting. Interesting. So, what would you have as the top three? I so what getting... is what is in discussion? So um from today I'm gonna go Guns Mario Bros. Then I'm gonna go um Um What was your second choice again? Because I won it, but I can't remember what it was. Jordan Peel Sweeney Todd. Jordan Peel Sweeney Todd. And then the uh, the BFG in three. Interesting. And then, are there any you would bring forward from the previous episode? I'm not sure. I don't think so. I think just from recency bias, I think, um, I'm going to go with what we've got. I think it's a nice... It's different enough, but then we also still have James Gunn. Yeah, very, very true. Like, I don't want to double... Because I, I think... The argument was the League of Extraordinary Gen- James Gunn's The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. We just kind of want him to adapt the comic rather than the film. Mm. So yeah, yeah. The the only one I would potentially bring from last time round was Jennifer Kent's Passengers because I still hate that film. I I get that, but I think this is where we go from we we expel all of the hate in and we just go with the love. And I think we we love Studio Ghibli and we love Jordan Peele. Yeah. So. Um, I think I think uh, that's very, we love James Gunn. That's very Ted Lasso of you. I like that. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I mean, I would if if I had to pick a fourth, which we don't because it's our podcast and we decided to do top threes. Yeah. Um, it'd probably be that, but I do think the three we've run through are the ones I really want to see. Um. Okay. I think that's it. That's, that's us it. done. That's Lock us decided in. already. I mean, I would. I would personally put I well I would personally put because I did the BFG over Sweeney Todd. Well, he would be because he's taller. He's he's massive, yeah. He's fucking huge, but he's luckily he's friendly. Giant. But he's a small giant. BFG was a great gun though. Yeah, big fucking gun. Big fucking. I gun. remember um, that was Doom. Doom. My when I was a I must have been about I don't know. 10 11 years old and my uncle had doom on his pc and he let me play it and he had a list of all of the weapons and like the number next to them so you could select them on the keyboard 
and he'd hidden. Was that was that like a cardboard thing you put over the keyboard? Because those no, were it, he, this was just literally written out. Nice. But the way it was done is big fucking gun was number twelve. But he'd tucked number twelve underneath the keyboard, thinking oh, he's not going to see that. I mean, of course I saw it, and yanked it up. It's like that sounds fun. Let's get the big fucking gun as a. Just I, I reckon I was probably younger than that. But anyway, yeah, it's just funny that it it makes me think um, how hard it is going to be to kind of not like keep things away from from my son when it comes to that age because i think the curiosity of kids is just like you you just you just can't if you tuck a bit of paper away the first thing a kid is going to do is pull the paper out to find out what's being tucked away for sure the the thing you need to do is just remember which button the bfg is yeah and then you're good but like i i remember my dad um my dad was borderline addicted to doom when it came out and he, we used to have our computer in like a tiny fucking cupboard downstairs for reasons I'm still not entirely sure about. But I remember he was stuck on a level because he couldn't make this jump. And I think he was trying to figure it out for hours. And then it just turned out you could sprint and he didn't realize you could sprint. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah. And then I remember mocking him wildly for that for a very long time. And then last year I realized you could jump in a Dark Souls game and I didn't realize you could do that. So I'd missed a load of shit, assuming, you know, when like in a game you get to something, you can't do it. And it's like, ah, I'm going to get something and then I can come back and do it later in the game. That's, you know, it's just trying to make this more. And no, it was just I wasn't. I completed Dark Souls without realizing you could jump. That's that's quite impressive. Surely, like, is it not a fairly obvious button for jumping? In Elden Ring, it is. In Dark Souls, it wasn't. Ah. Because you never really have to jump. Um, no. But yeah. Okay. Oh. So, the podcast nobody asked for is top three movies we want to see with a different director revisited. Uh, number three, we have uh, Miyazaki's The BFG. Uh, number two, we have Jordan Peele's Sweeney Todd, The Demon Barber of Fleet Street. And number one, we have James Gunn's Super Mario Bros. Not the new one, the old one. Yeah, that one. So, if you liked our choices, if there are other choices you think we should have redone, uh, you can find us on Instagram at the podcast nobody asked for. You can also find us on Patreon, where you can become a friend of the podcast and help us. I'll say it this time: help us make the podcast bigger and better, and like friendlier. a big friendly giant. <laughs> exactly, Graham. Exactly that. Um, all of those things. Twitter as well. Nobody asked for pod, or should we say? X because Elon Musk is a twat. Um, Facebook um, at the same address, so nobody asked for pod with the number four. Um, I mean, the website, the podcast nobody asked for UK with all of the things that we've spoken about and more. And wherever you are listening to this podcast, if you could leave us a review and in your review, write down any future episode ideas you'd want us to do and we'll make sure we do the best ones if you want to guarantee us to do them though sign up to our patreon at the aforementioned address so that's the end of our third birthday the presents have been unwrapped the magician is fucked off because he realized nobody really wanted a magician in the first place the clown never arrived i i never got any cake there was no cake the cake was a lie the cake was a lie have you seen the um Jolly Knoxville got the host of It's a Cake onto a chat show 
and no. made the chair out of cake. <laughs> no, and she just sits brilliant. down. It's like, is this cake? It's like, yeah, nice. <laughs> she said the thing. Fair play, Johnny Knoxville. Fair play. His shattered bladder, which I'm fairly sure is what happened to it. Uh, no, it's it's his uh, as. As they often say, Graham, it was the urethra that was the problem. Ugh, no one asked for this.